So if I, if I look around the room this morning, I don't know, but I suspect that most of you would think of me as, as young, right? Like generally, you know, not like I'm like a kid or anything, but I'm a young, I'm a young person, right? <laughs> I'm in my early 30s. I try to keep up on what's happening in society, fingers on the pulse, so to speak. But once in a while, and this might surprise you, once in a while something comes up in my reading online or, you know, like just, you know, a video or something comes up and it makes me feel like I'm not young. I don't know. Anybody? Like, maybe that surprises you. But, with the, you know, with the ever-increasing speed of society, it just sometimes I encounter something online and it, it feels like it's coming for me sooner than I would expect. Right? That happens. So I'm going to share with you this morning one thing that I encountered recently that made me feel that way. Um, it was a survey. There was a survey that was done of Gen Z. And I'm assuming that these, uh, these numbers are true for Gen Alpha as well. But it was a survey that was done for Gen Z. Made me feel old. <laughs> okay? um, the survey showed that between 40 and 50% of the people in Gen Z use as their primary online search engine, right? All of us would think primary online search engine. Google, right? That's what we would all think. Gen Z, the primary, 40 to 50%, the primary online search engine is TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I'm glad that you are surprised as well. That's the, the, the youngest person in the room probably. Um, and I was really surprised by this. Like I knew that everyone in that generation is on TikTok, right? Like I was aware of that. I know that Facebook and Instagram are dying. That wasn't the surprise. It's that they aren't just using the app for entertainment, that, that that's literally the place where they go where they're looking for a piece of information online. Like rather than typing it into Google, the official stat was 40 to 50% of Gen Z cite TikTok as their primary search engine. Now I'm not on TikTok, so I didn't even know that it was possible to use it in this way, <laughs> but apparently this is the norm for close to half of, you know, to, you know, close to the majority of people that are younger than me. And so when I read that, I had this moment where I just thought, am I out of touch? <laughs> you know, am I old? Now, this isn't just me having an existential crisis up here for your entertainment, I promise. This has some kind of relevance to what we're talking about today. This actually, if you believe it, relates to our psalm. Uh, see, the reason that these young people cite for wanting to go to TikTok rather than Google is that they don't want a set of instructions to sift through on how to do something, right? They don't want to go and type in, you know, how to make chocolate chip cookies and then have a recipe blog come up and you have to scroll past all of the stuff to finally find the recipe. People are like, oh yeah, I've done that, right? They don't want that. They, they're, they're looking for something quick and something that won't just tell them what to do, but will actually show them how to do it. They're looking for a video. And this is a great way to actually think about our psalm today. I think it checks both of those boxes, actually. It's short. That's the first thing they're looking for. It's four verses long. And this psalm, rather than explaining what we're supposed to do or giving us a step-by-step -step guide on how to do something, this psalm is a snapshot of someone living out their call as a disciple, as a pilgrim, and specifically in the area of service. So this is great. It's, it's actually a really excellent way for us to learn by seeing it modeled for us. But if I take a quick survey of the room, I think most of us are more Google people than TikTok people when it comes to our search engine, which tells me that we might need to spend a little bit of time today unpacking our psalm. 
right? Unpacking it so that we can discover, we can read it in that way. We can discover today what this psalm has to tell us, but what it means for us to live as disciples in the area of service, okay? So before we dive in, let me just start by giving you a quick refresher in case you've been away or you've forgotten. We are continuing our sermon series on discipleship, looking at a group of, of poems or a group of songs in the biblical book of Psalms, songs and psalms, I know they sound really similar, um, <laughs> in the biblical book of Psalms, and they're called the Songs of Ascent. And these songs were sung by faithful members of God's people while they were on a pilgrimage journey to Jerusalem for their important worship festivals. They're called Songs of Ascent for a couple of reasons, right? So the first is that Jerusalem was the highest point in the region. So while people were on this pilgrimage journey to Jerusalem to worship, they were literally geographically ascending, right? They're just going to the highest point. Um, but this is also reflective of a spiritual reality, of a, of a metaphorical movement towards God. That's what these psalms are about. The idea, that, the, the idea is that people are ascending, that they are seeking to prepare their hearts to turn their eyes upward to God, to be journeying closer to him and closer in relationship with him. So today we are in Psalm number 123. And right from the very first verse, we see this ascending movement. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, you can turn with me there. This is if you're using the Pew Bibles, our new Pew Bibles is on page 886 in those. And I'll just give you a couple of seconds to get there, okay? This is Psalm number 123, and uh, yeah, page 886 in our Pew Bibles. So this is what it says. Right from the start, we see this upward movement. And I think we see the first important piece of information about what it looks like for us to faithfully live lives of service, right? So it says, verse one, it says, I lift my eyes to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven. I lift my eyes to you, God, right? That's the beginning. Now, if, if this psalm is modeling for us the shape of Christian discipleship, specifically the shape of Christian service, I think that this verse is probably the most important one in the whole psalm for learning about how to faithfully live this out in our own lives. See, Christian service begins not with us and not with our neighbor, although those are important parts of service. Christian service begins with God. Christian service begins with an attentiveness to God. And we know this because like, the psalmist doesn't just do this in the first verse, they actually double down <laughs> right in the next verse, right? So we actually get a word picture so that we can see even more clearly the shape of Christian service. Here's what it says, this is verse two. So it says, as the eyes of, of, of slaves look to, their, to, to the hand of their master and as the eyes of a female slave look to the hand of her mistress. I know the verse goes on, but I'm gonna stop here for a moment because I just want to acknowledge a risk that we have right in this moment as we're reading this text, okay? The Bible, which is meaningful, and relevant to every generation was written in a specific moment in history, right? And as a result, sometimes the language or the images that are used can feel confusing or even troublesome to us as modern readers. 
The NIV translation we're using today talks about slaves being attentive to their masters. And for some, this can be uncomfortable, for others, outright triggering, right? The idea of slavery in the Bible is something that I would love to spend more time talking about in the future, and I expect that we will at some point, but because there actually has been like a lot of misinformation around slavery in the Bible. Uh, when I was growing up, I was told about how slavery in the Bible was really, it was different than you know, today, and it really wasn't that bad. And you know, it, was just like, it was different than more modern expressions of slavery. And while those lessons when I was young served to make me feel better, uh, they were almost entirely untrue. <laughs> um, slavery in the Bible, in the times of the Bible, was a terrible and horrific practice, just like it was and continues to be now. Right? It is, continues to be a terrible and perfect pa- pa- practice in the modern age. That being said, there's nothing in this passage that is actually speaking in any way, shape, or form positively about slavery. It's not encouraging it. It's not saying that it's a good thing. It is just that the people of this time, as they are writing this poem or song, look around themselves for the things that they see to use as a metaphor. And this is an example that was in their immediate context. So we're not going to get into this whole conversation today, but I did want to give a bit of a preamble for those who heard the word slaves and then immediately went down a whole rabbit hole of thoughts, right? If this is something that has bothered you or that you haven't really understood in the past, please don't feel like you have to wait until I preach through Ephesians or Philemon, which are probably the times when I would stop and have a more full discussion about this because those texts can be confusing on this topic. So just what you can do is just reach out to me and I would be glad to talk to you about this. If you're feeling like a little bit like, I don't know what to make of this. I don't know what to think about this. I I don't know if you get this from like listening to my sermons week over week, but I love the Bible. (laughs) Like I really love the Bible and I love talking about the Bible, the hard parts, the exciting parts, all of it. And so um, (laughs) any excuse during the week to let my inner Bible nerd come out is actually a joy to me. So so please, if this kind of stuff bugs you, if you're feeling a little bit concerned or confused about it, just reach out. Uh, I would love to chat. Uh, I will uh, get into it from the pulpit at some point, but I don't think that this is the right passage for it. Does that sound good? Yeah? All right. Awesome, thank you. So, so we've acknowledged the risk as modern readers that the use of the word slavery as a metaphor for how we can relate to God can get us drawn into the weeds theologically, right? And, uh, and take us away from the idea of what it means for us to serve God. If we, if we think about actually reading this psalm as like a path that we're walking, following those rabbit trails of thought would be like going off onto the right side of the road and like into a ditch, right? And we'd get stuck there and we would miss out on a whole bunch of stuff. But there is another risk. The other risk is that if we recoil back too far, we go, okay, I don't wanna go into that side of the road. If we recoil back too far, we end up in the ditch on the other side. And I know that in my life, I have done this with these kinds of texts. When the Bible starts to use this kind of language about serving God, talking about being slaves of Christ in the New Testament, that's a really common one, for example we can think, okay, I don't want to get into the theological or historical conversation about that. And so rather than jumping into that ditch, we recoil and fall off the other side of the road and kind of walk around that part of the text. And as a result, we still miss the point of the passage, right? Because here's the truth, and this is uncomfortable, right? And as Christians, the story that we have is that Jesus came down to earth to serve us because of his great love, right? That, that's, the, that's it. That's the beauty of the gospel. We were, we were preaching through Philippians not too long ago, and what did that wonderful poem in the middle of the book say? 
It said, being in very nature God, he, that's Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, and instead he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, right? Like, that's our picture. That's my God, right? That's what Jesus did for us. And that shows us what God is like, and like, it is amazing, right? That is such an amazing, beautiful truth, that the God of the universe calls us beloved, that he steps across the gap to come and meet us here, to make a way for us to be restored in relationship to him. This is good, good news. It's central to how we understand our relationship with God, and it's true. But here's what Eugene Peterson and his book, Along Obedience in the Same Direction, that we're following along with as we do this sermon series. Here's what he says when he's reflecting on this psalm, and I think it's an important reminder for us. So this is a quote. He said, God did not become a servant so that we could order him around, but so that we could join him in a redemptive life. Let me say that again. This is what Eugene Peterson wrote. He said, God did not become a servant so that we could order him around, but so that we could join him in a redemptive life. He highlights the idea that sometimes we think about Jesus as the suffering servant sent to save us, and we begin to implicitly put ourselves into the role of master. And that impacts the way that we relate to God. So in light of that, let me read a quote from Peterson. Again, he said, God did not become a, sorry, I read it again. So Jesus is not the, <laughs> Jesus is not the one who came to save us. Sorry, Jesus is not just, he did come to save us. Jesus is not just the one who came to save us. Let me be clear. <laughs> Jesus came to save us, but he is not just the one who came to save us. He is also modeling for us in his way of living what it looks like for us to follow him. And that is the call of the disciple. Jesus invited all of his disciples, come, follow me, Right? A couple of months ago, I shared a quote from an article by a man who had been a criminal, who had found God in prison, and had now become a pastor. He had this really amazing story of transformation in his life. And there was one thing that he wrote about maturing in his faith that stuck with me. And it stuck with me so much, I shared it on a Sunday. I also put it on my daily prayer list. And it still lives on my daily prayer list because it's something that I realized I need to think about more. So this pastor, he was talking about maturing in his faith. And he reflected, and this is a quote, this is what he reflected. He said, it took me a long time to recognize that Jesus wasn't just my savior, he was also my Lord, right? It took me a long time to realize that Jesus wasn't just my savior, he was also my Lord. This is challenging stuff, right? Today's psalm brings us an excellent reminder of this truth. What does it look like for us to serve God, to walk faithfully as followers of Jesus along this path of discipleship? That's the question, right? Verse one, I lift my eyes to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven. I'm not looking down. <laughs> I'm not looking to the side as my equal. I turn my eyes up to God, right? That's the right posture. How? Well, in case we had any illusions, in the way that a servant looks to their master, right? The way that a maiden looks to her mistress with rapt attention, waiting, watching, listening. Now, we only got halfway through verse two, so let me read you the whole thing. It says, as the eyes of a slave look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a female slave look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes 
look to the Lord our God till he shows us mercy. So this is the posture of serving God. We look to him. We are attentive to him. And we wait and wait and wait with our attention on him. And what are we waiting for? A command, right? Must be, right? We're waiting. We're serving. You know, if we're serving him, he's going to tell us to do something. He's going to send us out on a job, right? Maybe. But what does the text say? We wait with attention fixed on him until when? You've got your Bibles open. Until, until when do we wait? What is it? Until he shows us mercy. Church, this is the shape of Christian service. It begins not with doing, but with receiving, right? And in a posture where we are ready to receive from God. And if we stop and think about it for a moment, I think this makes sense to us, right? Like we love, why? Because he first loved us, receiving, right? Our love comes from his love. We forgive as we have also been forgiven, right? Our faithfulness and our service begins with the model that God has shown us of his faithfulness and his servanthood. Now in the spirit of this psalm, basically being a 15-second TikTok that pops up when Gen Z person searched, what does it mean to serve God? <laughs> I have this little example set up for us. This came up in a conversation with people recently, this example I'm going to show you, and I thought this image was just ubiquitous. Uh, I thought that everybody had seen this, uh, but apparently not. <laughs> and so uh, I, I let you know, I didn't make this up. I'm not that creative. Um, to be honest, I don't really know where I first encountered this, so I can't give credit where it's due. But I have found this to be a very helpful image when we think about um, what does it mean for us to serve God. It's a really helpful visualization of the shape of Christian service. And I hope that it's a helpful reminder for you. So the idea uh, is that this, this here, uh, you know, we've got a, a jug and a glass, and this is just to catch things if I spill. Um, <laughs> the idea is that this is the shape of Christian service. I'm going to move this out of the way because I'm hoping that the camera will be able to capture. Um, can we have a sip too? So here, here is, I think, the way that we have conventionally thought about Christian service, all right? So we have God, this vessel full of something, right? Of love, of grace, of mercy is the thing that's listed in this, this uh, psalm. And then we have us, right? And what we do is we go to God and he fills us, right? And we get nice and filled up. Maybe it's our devotional time. Maybe it's on a Sunday gathering. We come to church on a Sunday. We get nice and filled up. And then we go out into the world and we see people. And our goal is, you know, over here, oh, there's, you know, there's somebody in need here. I'm going to pour a little bit out there. And then there's, oh, there's somebody in need over here. I'm going to pour a little bit out there. And there's something, oh, there's something over here. I'm going to pour a little bit out there. And then eventually we're all empty and we need to go back to God for a top up right? That's how we kind of think about it. We go back, okay, each morning I have my devotional time. I get topped back up and then I go over here, I pour a little bit, go over here, I pour a little bit. I go over here, I pour a little bit. Uh-oh, I'm, I'm getting down to, to empty again. I better get that top up. That's how we've historically, I think, thought about it. That's how I thought about it, right? This is the model. And like, perhaps if you're, if, you know, for someone who's not a Christian, maybe the way we think about this is like through self-care practices, through mindfulness, through, you know, taking care of ourselves through eating well and stuff, like all of these things, they help top up my energy. They help me, you know, through, maybe I go to a psychotherapist and they help, like all those things, none of those things are bad, all, by the way. All of those things are good and wonderful. <laughs> Their practices, oh, 
They're practices that I take part in to make sure that I stay healthy. They're all a part of a, a, a good, healthy life, right? Uh, but we do all of those things, they fill us up, and then we you know, pour out in different ways, and we receive in different ways, and all those things. That's how I think we have historically thought about this. But I don't think that that is a great model for what it looks like for us to faithfully serve God. This idea of like being filled, and then emptying, being filled, and then emptying, right? So I think this is the better picture, and maybe I'm gonna pull this out, so this might be better. So that I can be over top of the bowl. <laughs> so I think, I'm sorry, one more thing that I wanna point out about this, right? <laughs> before I do this. Um, so as I'm, you know, I'm directing myself towards God, that's the psalm, right? I lift my eyes like a servant, like a person lifts to their eyes to their master. We're, we're pointing ourselves towards God and he's pouring in. And then you'll notice something. When I'm pouring out, I'm in like one of these positions and I can't receive, <laughs> right? Because I'm concerned with something else. So I think this is the picture of what it should be, okay? So we attentive to God, we turn our eyes to God, and he fills us, right? We wait on his mercy, and his mercy comes, and it fills us, and it fills us, and it fills us, and eventually, it's the overflow, right? It's not, the, it's not me turning away from him and going somewhere else and pouring. It's that he continues to fill us, and what comes of that is an abundant overflow of his love, of his goodness, of his mercy, of all of those things, not emptying ourselves, but overflowing of the abundance that he has for us. That is the shape, I think, of the Christian walk. That is the shape of faithful service to God. Does that make sense? Is that a, is that a good picture? Is that helpful? So, so what about others, right? So one of the really interesting things that we note is that this psalm about service talks absolutely zero times about serving others, right? Um, this is what Peterson says. He says, the psalm has nothing in it about serving others. It concentrates on being a servant to God. Its position is that if the attitude of servanthood is learned by attending to God as Lord, then serving others will develop as a natural way of life, right? And I think, again, that's the picture, right? This, this cup that is being filled doesn't just pour over where I want to pour it. It is everywhere that I go, God's abundant love and goodness and mercy that I have received goes with me and spills onto all of those around me. Not in a way that I have to save it for over here or save it for over here, but in a way that it goes and flows out of us as people who are walking in deep relationship with our Lord. What about that last couple verses, <laughs> right? So we've got two more verses in this Psalm. So it says, until he shows us mercy, and then they repeat, have mercy on us, Lord for we have endured no end of contempt. We have endured no end to the ridicule from the arrogant or the contempt of the proud. Sometimes we forget that these people were a people who have lived under slavery, right? Who were slaves in Egypt, who have lived under oppressive other masters, who have had other lords. And when they had other lords, it was not a good thing. Here's the truth. Here's what we believe. We are always serving something. 
we are always serving someone. And whether it is our own desires, or whether it is the, the pulls that we have from social obligation, or whether it is our workplace, or whatever, that we are always serving someone, there is always a Lord, right? The good news of the gospel is not that you don't have a Lord anymore, it's that you have a Lord who is willing to become a servant because of his great love for you. A Lord who is willing to come and meet with you, who cares about you, who will fill you with abundance so that you can go and share with everyone. And anytime we feel that pull, right, in this direction or that direction, those other lords, those other things that these psalmists talks about as being oppressive, right, these oppressive forces in their life, anytime we feel that, we start tipping our cup, right? We tip it over this way, tip it over that way, and we make it harder to be receiving. So the point of this psalm, the goal that we have is verse one, right? I lift my eyes to the Lord. That is the starting point of Christian service, that we would be attentive, that we would be locked in, that we would be fixed on Jesus, that we would be filled by his love and grace and mercy. That's the thing, that, and the thing that flows naturally out of that is service, right? We serve him and we are moved in love to those around us as a result of his abounding love that we receive for him, right? It's like in, in Psalm 23, my cup runneth over, right? This is the picture. So, what, so what's the goal? What, what, you know, what, what does it look like to live lives of service as Christians? As disciples, it looks like remaining fixed on Jesus and allowing the overflow of his love and his goodness and his mercy, which will never run out, ours will, right? His, which will never run out, letting the overflow of all of that pour out every single place we go. Not pulled or directed by another master, by another pressure. They are always out. All of those other pressures are always out to chew us up and spit us out, right? To commoditize us. No, instead, we seek to always be fixed on him as both our savior and as our Lord. God, we thank you that in you there is a love that never ends. That there is unending mercy, that there is forgiveness again and again, that your mercies are new each morning, Lord. Jesus, we pray that we would be able to lift our eyes to you. That as we seek to follow after you, that we would truly be able to fix our focus on you, to connect to you, to be filled by you, not for the sake of ourselves, but so that we can, in a sustainable, in a, in a life-giving way, see the overabundance of your love change and shape the way that we encounter everything and everyone else in our lives. Lord, help us to discover in you our identity as your beloved and allow that to turn us in love to our neighbors. God, be with us today as we continue to worship, as we, as we go from this place, as we seek to follow after you as disciples. Help us to never lose sight of you and who you are. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
I'm going to invite the worship team back up. We're going to respond in song. Thanks for listening to the Blue Mountain Community Church Podcast. May God's word fill you up this week. God bless.